you're here today with uh, Alderman Kelly Russell, who is running for re-election for the Board of Aldermen. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. How are you, Mallory? I am good. Um, we'll start out. We'll just um, jump right in. Tell us a little bit about yourself and why you're running for re-election. Okay, sure. Um, I've lived in Frederick for about 33 years now. I, I moved here from Montgomery County uh, to become a police officer, actually. That was um, a career that I'd settled on, and Frederick uh, was shown to me by somebody who used to work here, and I, I fell in love with the place. So I moved here and uh, served my career on the police department, did that for 22 years. And I'm running for alderman um, because, in my mind, uh, being an alderman is a, an extension of public service. Um, I have uh, really enjoyed being a, um, a part of something bigger than myself and um, being able to serve people and help them solve issues. So... Um, to me, it's kind of just an extended, uh, I consider the office an elected public servant. So. And how did you first become politically active? Well, it's interesting. Um, I had, as a police officer, of course, you stay apolitical. Um, and after I retired, I had been approached by one of my neighbors regarding uh, comprehensive rezoning that had been done in the city. And I really didn't even know what zoning was at the time. Um, but she explained to me that the city had gone through a rezoning process and that our neighborhood, which was established in 1913, um, could be changed so that teardowns would allow then for condominiums or townhouses or apartments to be built in this old neighborhood. And everybody was very concerned about it. And she said, well, you're not doing anything, Kelly, since you're retired. Why don't you help me with this petition drive? We need to get the city to, to revisit this and to change it. Uh, so that was my first sort of foray into um, that kind of civic duty. So uh, my friend Jean O'Connor, um, who we lost last summer, is a wonderful woman, um, sort of shepherded me through this process of um, getting petitions signed. We called a meeting of the city officials, which they actually came to mm -hmm. uh, the park. We had about 100 people in the, in the park. Um, and as a result of all of that public input and outcry and working with City Hall, we actually were uh, successful. The city revisited many neighborhoods, about a dozen, uh, where they decided that they had made an error and created a new zoning classification for older established neighborhoods to protect them. So I was kind of bitten by the bug because I've found out you could fight City Hall and actually make things happen. Um, so there were a couple of more issues that had to do with land use that came up after that, and uh, once again, successful uh, fights, and I decided, well, perhaps I could be more effective uh, affecting change from the inside. So that's kind of what me got me started. Okay. And how long have you been on the Board of Aldermen now? Uh, it'll be eight years uh, at the end of this term. Okay. Yeah. And how do you um, keep yourself, you know, fresh? How do you kind of keep that um, maybe civ civilian activist um, type feeling alive uh, now that you're an elected official? Well, pretty much every day there's an opportunity for that. It's, um, I, it is a little bit like policing in that you are trying to um, help people solve problems. So every day there's something new. Um, you know, part of part of the job is legislation, and that's that's a critical part of the job. The other part of it, in my view, is the constituent service, and that is when people come to you and they have an issue, a problem, they need to be connected with something. Then my job is is to help them solve that problem, connect them with that service. So it it, it could be a wide range of things, from somebody wanting a crosswalk somewhere to um, you know 
my neighborhood has this kind of an issue. And it's, so it's always fresh. It's always different. Mm-hmm. And what neighborhood do you live in? I live, it's called College Park. Um, most people don't know that. Um, it's over near uh, Hood College on the south side. It's sort, sort of a fan-shaped neighborhood that has beautiful old homes in it. I live sort of on the edge of that. Okay. All right. Uh, <clears throat> jumping into um, our first uh, issue question, um, coming right off of the primary election, which was uh, a couple weeks ago, there was a very low voter turnout. Um, less than 14%. And there's been talks, I know that people have asked the candidates before and stuff, um, whether they would support a change of the election year to a gubernatorial or presidential year um, to kind of drum up that voter turnout. Is that something that you would support or are you not in support of that? So uh, currently I am not in support of that. And that's been my position for a while. And um, the question's been asked, and it will continue to be asked, I think, um, because we do have rather abysmal turnout, uh, admittedly, but it's not it's not out of the ordinary for municipal election, elections that are held in off years. My hesitancy to move the elections, um, while it may result in more turnout, is that, uh, and just from a candidate standpoint, when there's an election, you have you need resources, you need people to help you, you need money to support your campaign, and in an off year, you're not competing with anybody, and you can also publicize the election as just the city's issues. Um, in a gubernatorial year or even a presidential year, I think it would get lost in the shuffle. So I am uh, willing to have the conversation again. And if I'm compelled, uh, you know, I'm always open to, to changing a position if I can hear some compelling testimony about it. So. How do you feel about the fact that the city elections are partisan? Um, Frederick is one of only a few municipalities in the state that have partisan city-level elections. Sure. Um, well, uh, the primary, you know, is, is to select the party's candidate. Um, the majority party, of course, always likes to keep the partisanship because that helps them, you know, keep keep their, um, their position. I, I personally, um, while... Many of the issues we deal with um, are not, I would say, partisan. For example, you know, things, fixing roads or, um, you know, a lot of the things that we do. Those aren't partisan issues. But I think the benefit that I see in having the, the partisan attachment is that you can get a sense of where people have their sort of general philosophies about, you know, taxation and spending or social issues that, you know, may come down to how you make decisions about local um, matters. So it's not so much that I think, um, you know, we're, we're deciding issues on the local level at, at, at a partisan, um, with, with that partisan edge, but it just gives people a sense, I think, of where you're coming from. So your, par- your uh, political philosophy is where I wanted to go next. Okay. So you run as a Democrat. I do. Um, what makes you a Democrat? Why are you a member of the party? Well, I, you know, I, I, it's, it's a funny question I've been asked. Wh- the whole time I was a police officer, I was a registered Republican. So no secret here. Anybody can find that out. Um, and I'll tell you why. I registered as a Republican uh, as a young w- woman who was rebelling against her parents, uh, who didn't want to be what they were, which was a Democrat. So I just made that decision. I registered as an independent way back in the, in the, in the 70s and voted for John Anderson in the primary. Who even knows who that is anymore? But, you know, so I registered as a Republican. Uh, all of my, or most of my police 
colleagues at the time were Republican, and, and, and I was apolitical as a police officer. So it just never rose to um, a level of importance for me to make any other decision. Uh, a primary election came up in the city. I wanted to vote for a Democratic candidate, and I couldn't. So, and as we were talking earlier, all of these other things were starting to percolate with me in my mind about you know what my public service might might look like as I continued. And it was time for me to sort of really take a good look at what my values were, what I thought was important, and, and make that decision. And, and when I did, it turns out I'm a Democrat. Okay. <laughs> and how long have you been a registered Democrat then? Well, gosh, um, I'm going to probably say 10, 12 years, something okay. like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, you had mentioned funding for roads, and that's one of our questions, actually. Um, transportation, city transportation projects mm-hmm. is a big part of the city budget. Um, what are some of your transportation priorities um, as an alderman? Well, I serve um, and represent the city on the Transportation Planning Board at the Metropolitan Washington Council of Governments, a mouthful. COG. The COG, yeah. (laughs) TPB, um, which is the body that makes uh, decisions on federal funding projects for regional for, for the D.C. region, of which we are a part with this. So Frederick is very fortunate to have a seat at the table when it comes to that, that kind of um, funding, which is very competitive. Um, we actually just had the Maryland Department of Transportation tour. They come annually to listen to city officials and, and, and county officials and members of the public about what their transportation priorities are. Uh, Route 15 needs... Uh, is desperately in need of help. There's a study right now or, uh, that will be occurring uh, to look at widening. Um, the city and county sent a joint letter uh, uh, to the state with our preference on what we thought that should look like. There were several options. Um, and we've also made it clear that we believe that the, the boundaries of the study should extend further down south than they are currently planned to be down to routes I-70. Otherwise, you're just gonna create a pinch point between 270 and 15 once that's improved. So it's also one of our critical urban freight corridors uh, where there's a lot of freight that that goes through there that's, you know, part of our commerce and economy. So that, you know, locally, uh, Monoxy Boulevard uh, is is underway. Um, That's a huge project. It's about a year and a half away from completion. Um, I'm also very interested in seeing the city advance more infrastructure for bicycle and pedestrian uh, access. And as a part of, you know, new developments, we are making that happen and then there are other parts that are going to be city funded. When you talk about issues on US 15, for instance, does the do city officials or county officials ever look to um, work with people from other jurisdictions, like maybe Hagerstown or uh, Montgomery County, who would be similarly affected by, um, you know, a pinch point on US 15, for example? Well, I would say that, you know, um, Funding for a project such as that is obviously going to be part, f- part federal, part state, part county, part city. So there's a lot of co- collaboration. And again, at TPB, we will be advocating at some point in the future for getting some federal funding for that. Um, it's, all, it's all connected, but obviously it's a transportation system. Another priority is I-70 into Hagerstown. Uh, we've got that one point where it narrows down to two lanes as it goes west of the city of Frederick. And that's another priority that's been talked about just adding at that lane. That might be something that we can actually do at the district level and not have to um, go through some of the bigger, more complicated processes. Okay. 
Um, jumping around just a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, the proposed downtown hotel and conference center mm-hmm. is a huge project the city's been working on for a while. And we've voted a lot in favor of um, funding for that project. Um, if you are reelected, would you continue to support that project? And do you think the city should continue to be a funding partner for that? Yes and yes. Um, and I'll just um, let me preface any, all of this by saying I'm very limited in how much I can talk about the project because I'm a member of the planning commission. So yes. as the project uh, moves forward, um, it will it will come through the, the planning commission. So I need to be careful about talking about the project itself. But generally speaking, I think it's amazing and wonderful that, that the state and the county feel that making that kind of investment in the city of Frederick is good for the whole state, really, and the region. Um, and I'm very much in support of the project and looking forward to moving it pr- through the processes. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'll ask you another question about it, and I understand your ca- your caveats if you can't answer. Okay. Um, I cover the General Assembly, so I see um, each year now for the past at least three years um, the county delegation working like heck to get those state grant funds approved as part of the budget. And then, um, you know, the project doesn't move forward. Um, do you think that the city is moving quickly enough in, in promoting that project using that state money when it is approved? Well, it's interesting that you say that our delegation is working hard uh, to get the funding because that's partially true. Part of our delegation is working very hard. The, the, the Democrats who the represent Democrats, the city of Frederick. That's, yes. that's correct. Um, they fight like heck to get They fight there. like heck. Um, uh, unfortunately, you know, we are, we are met with opposition with our other Frederick County uh, members of our delegation. So to me, it's, it's, uh, I don't understand why um, our elected officials would fight having money come to our city to, that would benefit um, the, the, whole, the whole region. So... You know, having that split delegation is, um, is is problematic. So I think I'm going to attribute some of the um, the slowness, or I'll say the you know the the heaviness of this process, the fact that we do not have a united delegation who wants to help move this project forward. I think you know if you look at other jurisdictions, you know this is money that's going to be given to other juris- to jurisdictions to do these kinds of projects. Why should it not come to Frederick? If you have a united delegation, Hagerstown just received a huge amount of money. Um, and it was very simple for them. So, you know, it's frustrating for me as a city official to to not have s- some of our representatives, even though they may not represent the city of Frederick, not supporting this project. Okay. Yeah. Um, another uh, city project that is moving forward now is the Westside Regional Park. Um, it's been a huge deal since the city bought the Hargett Farm property in 2009. Um I guess uh, you have voted in favor of, like, creating a task force and stuff like that. Um, I assume you still want to see a park there. And I guess um, if that is still true, what kind of amenities would you like that park to have? I'm going to dial back uh, a little bit and say that um, this has been uh, this has been an interesting, to say the least, um, process. We did recently approve uh, a study to look at the feasibility of having a regional park there and what kind of amenities ought to be there, generally speaking. That was after, I think, three public surveys, um, lots of discussion. So that master plan has now been approved uh, as sort of a bubble plan. Um, uh, My position on this is that, um, you know, we spent $18 million on this land that has sat, we we serve, I think, about a million dollars a year in debt service. Um, it's a it's a burden to our city taxpayers to just be holding that land. 
I would love to see it develop, but I'm also very firm on the fact that I think that if that's going to happen, that has to be a public-private partnership. There has to be big investment on the part of uh, the, the private sector because the city, it's, first of all, we talk about it being a regional park, so city taxpayers should not pay for a regional park. The region should pay for a regional park. Now, that's, you know, city, county, state, private investment. Um, so I'm, I, and I've said this, I remain a little bit skeptical uh, about whether or not this is going to move forward in the future um, as, as some envision it. Um, but I'm on board with, you know, making that happen if it happens in a way that does not burden our taxpayers. When you say regional park, do you envision it um, as something similar to, say, Wheaton Regional Park in Montgomery County, where, uh, you know, I think there's an ice skating rink and tennis courts and a botanical garden and a lake and a bunch of things? Well, that, you know, that's the plan is to have, uh, you know, multi-use fields, to have an auditorium, which is a swimming facility. That was a word I didn't know. <laughs> um, uh, and, you know, festival space and walking and biking trails and pickleball, which is a new sport that I didn't know about either. <laughs> so there's, there's plans for, yes, having a, a, a big a big kind of a park that would be accessed by people, you know, not only in Frederick County, maybe Montgomery, maybe Washington, maybe Pennsylvania, you know, so that's the vision. Okay. Mm -hmm. Who would be an ideal private funding partner for something like that? Oh, gosh. Uh, You know, we could have a mini major sports team come in and say, we'd want to build this for you or, you know, AstraZeneca or a you know, Wells Fargo or some wonderfully rich philanthropist person, um, <laughs> you know, who wants naming rights. I think there are, there are a lot of opportunities. Okay. Um, as a former police officer, this is another, um, something you've probably care a lot about. Uh, I know the Board of Aldermen re- recently talks a lot about, um, a new police headquarters. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it's kind of in the beginning stages from what I understand the studies and everything. And I guess just from where you are now, what do you think, where would you like that to see that police corps headquarters go? What, what would you like to see it have? I mean, just like, what are your thoughts on that? So having worked in the facility that was opened in 1981, which is where part of the police department still exists. Um, and it's you know spread out through several buildings. Um, and having worked back to back, literally as close as, as we are in this room with, with detectives on the phone, each handling different cases and bumping chairs, mm-hmm. um, I can tell you that there's there's definitely a need for a better space, a, a space where the department can more effectively blend its resources, information share, uh, a place that's accessible to the public. I'm I'm very um, I'm very interested in making sure that whatever we do, it is uh, it is close to the core of downtown. Uh, so that it's accessible by, you know, all of our major highways, but also uh, by people who, you know, may have to walk or bike there. Um, We're not at the point of site selection yet. Uh, We are at the point of looking at what ideally uh, the space needs might be, and that was the result of the study that that we talked about, phase phase one. Um, And that study needs to be um, really digested and you know, it's, it's calling for about nine acres, and there are really no no sites uh, that are of that size in downtown. Um, it also calls for a, a lot of amenities, like the, the you know the public auditorium space with parking and things like that. I, ideally, I'd like to see um, 
a police headquarters that is that is incorporated in into the community that has close access to services um, to synergize you know partnerships with um, you know agencies that provide services um, so I'm, I, I think it's a little premature at this point to say where I would like to see it other than that that's my general preference um, I know that the Trinity School site the former Trinity School site has been uh, tossed around out there and I'm uh, my position on that would would be that it does not meet my my vision for having a police headquarters that is you know the core of the city and the city's comprehensive plan calls for us to keep government services downtown in the core. Um, that's for access and it's for economic uh, development and for a, a plethora of reasons. But um, so I'm excited. This is something that's been talked about for years. They used to joke when they were at 731 North Market Street when the courthouse was being built, mm -hmm. that you know, it would all be better when we get to the new building. And if any retirees are listening to this, they'll know that. You know, that was in 1981. The police department has pretty much doubled in size. And it's, it's time for us to have a state-of-the-art facility that can help us keep crime low, keep fear of crime low, and service our community the way that they expect to be serviced. What, what is the timeline on on that project do you know there is not one yet okay there is not one yet. <laughs> this is the first concrete step that i've seen um in a while there was a space needs analysis done i want to say 2004 2005 that um, is now in the hands of the police department as well that was a local firm um, but there was no action on it um, the last time that we almost had something was there was that we were going to go into the um the law enforcement center the law mall out by the airport which again not i'm I'm glad at this point that that did not happen um, because I don't think that would be ideal for the city of Frederick. Mm. Um, as, as many of us know, the state of Maryland is the wealthiest state in the country and the city of Frederick has a very high area median income even related to the rest of the state. Um, but the United Way issued a report um, this past year, mm -hmm. the Alice report, mm -hmm. which says that one in three county families have a hard time making ends meet. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering um, what you think about those two statistics and whether you think um, there's any role for city policy in terms of income inequality um, or, or reaching out to people who are less advantaged. Uh, yeah, I'm familiar with the Alice report. I sat down with United Way folks and, and went through that. Um, you know, I, I think it's a great thing that Maryland is a is a, a, a prosperous state. That's that's should be good for everybody. Um, and we do have people in our community that are um, struggling to make ends meet. I think the city can have a role. I don't think it's the city's responsibility necessarily on its own to try and solve these problems because that's just we have to work in partnership with United Way, with uh, Interfaith Housing, with uh, you know Rescue Mission, with all of these agencies that provide services, so that we can figure out what our what our contribution can be. You know, maybe that's looking at some of our um, regulations regarding, you know, what kind of housing we allow to be built. You know, um, maybe that has to do with uh, uh, how we you know provide additional funding to to uh, catalyze um, projects and. We have moved some projects forward, Sinclair Way, um, 520 North Market, and we do have some, some more affordable housing coming on the horizon, but uh, I think it's important that we be mindful that um, we're not there yet and that we do have 
um, some responsibility to make sure that all of our families have access, fair access to to schools, to services, to a, you know, a roof over their head, good solid food in, in their stomachs, and, and uh, you know, a, a healthy life. Do you think that there's enough affordable housing in the city? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, is the city exploring ways to increase that? I think there are a lot of discussions uh, going on. We don't have, um, say, per se, we don't have like a task force looking at, you know, how do we make more affordable housing? But again, we, uh, there is uh, the affordable housing uh, commission that is a county commission. We do have an aldermanic liaison that, uh, all the women because check is on that. Um, affordable housing council, I'm sorry. I used to sit on that. Um, and there are a lot of conversations. We have the, um, you know, the, the strategic uh, report of the homeless coalition as well on, um, you know, moving forward and ending homelessness in the city. Very complicated issues, and it's not just about, um, you know, building structures for people to live in. Um, there are there are many reasons why, you know, people are in the situations that we are, and we have to look at the whole picture. Okay. Relatedly, I wanted to talk to you about the city's property tax rate. Um, what do you think about the rate? Uh, where it's set now, do you think that uh, there's room for the city to decrease the rate um, all the way down to the constant yield or something lower than what it is now, but higher than the constant yield? Well, that's a question that hasn't been asked for a while. Um, uh, as, as you know, I'm sure uh, we went through a process a few years back of changing the way that we um, tax our residents um, based on county services being provided, city services being provided. And so the city's tax rate itself actually was lowered. The county tax rate for city residents was changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have overall, the tax rate I think has gone down four cents over the last eight years. Um, I'm, uh, I, I'm, of the, I'm of the ilk to say that what I would like us to do is maximize the services that we provide for the taxes that we do collect. We should not collect more taxes than we need, um, but we should not um, necessarily cut taxes for the sake of cutting taxes. I think it's about evaluating what the services are that our city residents want and need and expect, and then how we deliver them. All right, um, just kind of wrapping up with one of the last questions. I'm just kind of giving you a chance to kind of talk about what you want to see done. Uh, what are your three biggest issues or policy changes you would like to see if you are reelected? Well, I, I really want to see us move forward on our sustainability plan. Um, this is a plan that uh, we adopted, gosh, I lose track of time, maybe it's been a year or so ago, a year and a half. Um, and in it are uh, de- several different sectors of how the city can uh, should move forward in, in becoming more resilient and sustainable, not ha- just having to do with energy, uh, but having to do with, you know, making sure that there, we don't have food deserts, making sure that we have clean water, clean air, all of these things. Um, I'd like to see us make some more tangible um, movement towards attaining some of those goals. Uh, and that's going to take some budgetary considerations and maybe even some personnel considerations. Um, I'm always concerned about making sure that our public safety is the best that it can be. Uh, if you don't have a safe city, then, you know, everything else sort of falls behind. So we are very fortunate um, to have uh, really an amazing police department and, and low crime here in the city that's been falling, which is, you know, fantastic. Um, 
I also am very, you know, as I've mentioned, concerned about, you know, connectivity of our city and making sure that as growth happens, that it's happening in a way that um, enables communities to connect to one another. Um, I, I think um, bicycling and pedestrians and, you know, skateboards and scooters and personal assistive devices and all of that. You should be able to get everywhere in the city. There's a gentleman who has a, rides a scooter. Uh, he's an uh, older gentleman who lives in Catoctin View Apartments. Just came by my house the other day, zipping around, and, and he stopped to talk to me, and he wanted to talk about the fact that now that the undercrossing under Route 15 is open, now he can zip you know, on that path all the way out to the west side, which he could not do before it was a barrier. So I think um, that connectivity and um, making sure that as we grow, we grow in a way that uh, is is beneficial um, to all city residents is, is really, really important. Okay. And uh, we only touched on a few things here today, mm -hmm. obviously. So where can people go if they want to learn more about your campaign? Sure. I have a website. It's votekellyrussell.com. Um, you can email, email me at kelly at votekellyrussell.com. Um, <laughs> you can find me at City Hall and call me at my, um, my office number, 301-600-2966, or my work email. You can find that on the city website as well. Okay. okay. Great, I think that's um, all we had today. Okay. So thank you for coming in and talking with Thank us. you very much. The time really flew. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> appreciate it. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Thank you.